We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're reacting to week 12 of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome back to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Very excited to break down week 12. Hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving, got to watch some good football, spend some time with the family. And I have to announce that it is Curtis Patrick's birthday. So we have to send him some wishes. What's going on, Curtis? Hey, man. Uh, never thought I would make it this far in life. I'm, I'm 38, man. Um, 38. I gotta say, you know, I know I'm, I'm probably, you know, knowing the fantasy, um, demographics out there, I'm, I'm probably around the median age of fantasy players now, I would say. And, uh, you know, if you're somebody who's out there and you're, and you're much younger and you're lamenting growing older, um, I know that, my unique circumstances and experience um, on earth are unique to me and others may not feel this way. I've actually enjoyed the process of getting older, um, the self-assuredness um, and wisdom and failures and life experiences that add up to knowing who you are, uh, you know, a- as an individual in your later thirties. Uh, to me, that's a blessing um, to know what it is that I want to do uh, in this world and, and know who the people are that I want to spend it with. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, being 38 and, uh, yeah, I I got to celebrate, I think in an appropriate way, I did have to work a long one, um, (laughs) at the mill today, Dave, but, um, I did get a dinner with the whole family around the table and nobody was on a device. And we actually uh, just enjoyed each other, uh, each other's company a little bit. And then, uh, I'm actually uh, sipping a, a small pour of my favorite bourbon on the planet. Um, it's a Booker small batch that I actually had uh, our buddy Ryan McDowell pick up for me in Kentucky a couple years ago. Um, and so, you know, that uh, made me smile as well as I was pouring that. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the acknowledgement. But, uh, yeah, n- enough about um, <laughs> enough about the annual ritual of blowing out candles. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened in week yeah, 12. Yeah, absolutely. Days. All right. We got to start it off with the 
player of the week, Curtis. A couple of candidates that I think would make for interesting picks here, so I'm curious to see where you went with this. Listen, this isn't a player that I was all very much excited about coming into the season, and I still probably am not. Um, just too stubborn to come around on him, but you, you, there's no denying it, man. Leonard Fournette, uh, four touchdowns for the former LSU and uh, Jaguars uh, star man. Um, he's really making the most of his opportunity in year two um, in Tampa Bay, uh, being tied to Tom Brady there. I mean, history may not forget him um, now at this point if, if the Bucks can do damage again uh, this season. And man, this is one of the more memorable fantasy performances of the season. He puts up 44.1 PPR, caught seven balls. I mean, this this is like vintage uh, Lenny, seven receptions for uh, 31 yards and a receiving touchdown to go with his 100 on the ground and three rushing touchdowns. So, uh, yes, there were some other deserving candidates, but uh, for me, uh, Leonard Fournette, head and shoulders above the rest. Who's the snoozer of the week, Dave? Uh, boy, it is a player that at this point hasn't done much. And that's because they did not get the role early on that I was hoping they would get because they were hurt. They finally had a chance to do something now with an entire backfield of themselves, more or less, did not do anything. And that is Tony Jones Jr., 16 rushes for just 27 yards. Mm. And all of those best ball teams that I felt great about yeah. getting him on towards the end of the draft are, are very unhappy about that performance, Curtis. So, you know, maybe it's not fair to highlight him um, but you know, personally, he was a snoozer to me. I, I mean, that, that seems fair. I'm not going <laughs> to okay. fight you on that. I, I think expectations were high and he under, regardless of the fanfare he had before the season, uh, or lack of it, I, I think it, it was a spot where people wanted to depend on him and it didn't Absolutely. happen. All right. So let's just move on. Let's get into some game notes. And I have more bad news to discuss. There's a fair amount of bad news for some fantasy teams out there that is coming to light this week. Let's start in Carolina, Christian McCaffrey dealing with another injury. That's going to be it for the season for him. You're now looking at a player who's 25 has been in the league five seasons, played 16 games in the first three seasons of his career. 2020 played just three. He will go down having logged just 27 starts in 2021 repercussions of this from a fantasy perspective obviously if you had chuba now you're feeling pretty good about his pot you know the possibility of adding him back in there letting him help you out down the stretch but i think we need to pause now for a minute and kind of reflect on what this means for christian mccaffrey at this point in his career i think it is fair even if you remove the injuries from your thought process here to question if it's time to start looking at McCaffrey a little bit differently now with all those seasons under his belt. And at this point, you lump in the fact that we've seen less and less action from him, right? <laughs> um, you know, looking like a player that's going to be harder to rely on as you move forward with some of these other young backs emerging. So my initial reaction as I take this in, Curtis, is that I think it's fair now if people are viewing McCaffrey as a different player uh, as we head into the 2022 season versus 2021. I guess what I'll ask you as we talk about it is, 
what would be an overreaction? Like, obviously, I don't think anybody's going to be completely leaving him for dead, but to view him now as a player that falls back out of the top 15 or so running backs, would that be too much of an overreaction? Yeah, I think it, it's tough, man. I think I think pushing him out of the top 15 running backs, whether we're talking redraft for 2022 um, or in a dynasty valuation situation, I think that is too much of an overreaction because if he is healthy, I mean, even this year when he never really fully was, um, he still looked like one of the best fantasy assets um, in, in any format, really. And you know, short of the Panthers saying that they're going to put him on a pitch count, which, you know, again, depending on what they do at quarterback next year, may be the most appropriate thing. Um, if if they actually don't improve at that position, their surest way to victory is still probably going to be to feed him uh, a really high concentration of their offensive opportunity. So I still think he's going to have um, upside in 2022 that's not matched by very many players. Um, and even if he is on a pitch count, I would expect that the touches that go elsewhere to be of the early down variety and for him to still be very involved as a pass catcher. Uh, so, you know, so I, I just think that dropping him that far, I mean, he's going to be 26 I mean, 26 is getting up there. Um, and, and he has a run of two, you know, seasons where he didn't, you know, give us the, I don't know, he wasn't out there as often as we wanted him to for these two seasons, but I, I would still be a believer. I'd still consider buying him in dynasty. I think he's probably going to get double punished um, by a lot of dynasty players because of the the two seasons in a row. And so I actually think he's going to represent a, a startup value in early 2022. Um, you know, there's March, April drafts where people are really rookie crazy. Uh, I think he'll make a lot of sense. It, in some ways, it's kind of like an Aaron Jones situation, maybe where uh, he'll just get pushed down further than what his upside is in any single year. Um, and that's probably about the range, like Aaron Jones entering this season, where I would put McCaffrey next year. So um, in a non-super flex startup, probably like a second rounder. And in a super flex startup, late second to early third rounder, I think that's where he's going to end up uh, with some of the wide receivers that are broken out this year um, and the tendency to invest in quarterback early. So um, I'm trying to think of what I've seen on Twitter today. That seems like an overreaction. Like I saw one question from um, a fairly large account saying, would you trade McCaffrey and a 2022 second for uh, quarter L Patterson and a, a 2022 first? Um, if you're like, if, if you're like a sure title um, contender, um, what would you actually sacrifice giving up McCaffrey? Like, I still wouldn't do that. I would take my chances of losing a title um, rather than move him for a, a player with one year of value like um, Cordero Patterson. But if you could move McCaffrey for, you know, a younger back that um, or even another veteran back, like if you could move McCaffrey straight up for presumably healthy Ezekiel Elliott or something like that, I think those are the types of moves where maybe you would have to take it you'd have to take a long look at it pretty seriously because they're, you know, they're both aging players, um, you know, with 20 point weekly upside. So, you know, that's a really long winded way of kind of working it out on air. But where I'm at is kind of where I was at before the injury. I still think he's super valuable. There's very few players that matches upside and 
you know, every, every dynasty manager is going to have, you know, a different stomach for rostering a player like that. Sean and I have Sean and I have a roster with Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin cook on it. Um, so I'm sure we'll get to Dalvin <laughs> later uh, in the episode as well. But I mean, where, where are you, Dave? I mean, I, for me, I would say dynasty running back eight to 12 feels right. And I don't know where that is. I don't know where he lies there yet, but, in my next update, that's probably where. Yeah. It falls. So, while I was listening to you help us work our our way through the thought processes there, the thought that I kept coming back to was, I think that for me personally, and probably most people, it's hard to leave him in that absolute top tier of player now, inhabited by the likes of Jonathan Taylor. Maybe you want to throw DeAndre Swift into that mix. Maybe somebody still thinks that you have Alvin Kamara up in that range. But once you start to get outside of that range and you're looking at the players that are there, we know that a lot of these guys, it's hard to trust them in an individual season, regardless of what happens with injury. So, yeah, he takes a step back, but I don't think this becomes a situation where if you're looking at the entire picture of a player um, and you think about the upside that McCaffrey does have, that there's a lot of guys that still sit substantially ahead of him or that are worth kind of passing up the opportunity cost of what could be if McCaffrey even plays in eight, nine, 10 games for you. Um, so we'd have to dig deeper in there, but I think that I am going to be careful not to overreact to this season, kind of let the dust settle, mm-hmm. then figure things out fair to kind of reevaluate where people are on McCaffrey. Um, but at the same time, as you said, we'll be 26 next season when he's playing, going to get a ton of work. So this shouldn't change the entire view of Christian McCaffrey. That's probably enough, though, on uh, McCaffrey. This is going to be a topic that gets brought up continually, uh, probably in perpetuity, right? <laughs> until other, until we see McCaffrey completely fall off, he's going to be a topic of conversations like this. So let's let's head over to the AFC. Yeah, I want to talk about the Bengals. Uh, Cincinnati, geez, I mean, they just absolutely laid it on Pittsburgh. Absolutely laid it on Pittsburgh uh, in every facet. Um, I'm I'm also tempted to talk about the Steelers here a little bit, um, but I think all I'll add in here is that it's always sad when you see, like Roethlisberger's been on the way down uh, for a year or two now. But it's really sad when you actually see a player staring his football mortality right in the face. And and it just, you know, um, I, I know he's a he's a, a figure that I, I think probably uh, creates a, a lot of different emotions when people think about him uh, for yep. myriad reasons. Um, but he he is one of the more successful quarterbacks in NFL history. And it is you know kind of hard to watch. Um, that just slipped through his fingers uh, at this point. But uh, the the point of this game really is to talk about Joe Mixon, who um, as as exciting as Joe Burrow has been and as exciting as Jamar Chase and T Higgins have been in this offense. Um, man, Mixon has been a revelation in fantasy um, over the last five weeks. Uh, just really, really remarkable. Um, in the last four weeks in particular, he scored two touchdowns in each of the, the past four games for Cincinnati, uh, including a, a pair of rushing touchdowns in each of the last three and back in week eight in the team's um, <laughs> weird loss to the Jets uh, in that, which is a weird game. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown, but 
back-to-back games over 120 rushing yards on the ground, back-to-back games with um, 30 or more touches. The Bengals seem very, I mean, we just talked about McCaffrey, you know, breaking down with all this usage. Mixon's getting McCaffrey-like usage. It's a little bit more concentrated on the ground than uh, receiving that we typically would see for McCaffrey. But in in a season where Derrick Henry has been unavailable, CMC has been unavailable, uh, we've we've missed um, games with Dalvin Cook, we've missed games with Aaron Jones, you know, so many of these high-end assets um, not available. Man, Joe Mixon drafters have to be um, feeling really great about where things sit. And so... Um, this is a player who he's peaking very late. He's actually only a month younger than Christian McCaffrey. Definitely doesn't have the career accolades, um, but seems poised to take that mantle from him, at least for the rest of this season, um, as the highest end uh, fantasy producer, perhaps. And then I think that the second footnote from this game um, was that T. Higgins may not be the alpha in the Bengals offense, um, ultimately. But I think he can be a very capable 1B. And, and you've seen teams over the last couple of weeks react um, to Jamar Chase a little bit differently in coverage. And it's been more difficult for him and Burrow to connect on some of those deeper passes. And the Bengals are now opting to just feature T. Higgins a little bit more. Um, and now, now teams are going to have to pick their poison. Or you may just see one or the other um, boom each week based off of, you know, who the better matchup is. Um you know, defensively, you know, where another team is weaker, uh, perhaps in their coverage schemes or, you know, just in their actual athleticism um, at the safety position in particular, um, trying to scoot over and cover the other guy. So, yeah, man, um, the Bengals are are very, very impressive on offense and a, a team I wish I had more exposure to um, across all of my fantasy teams. Yeah, so I actually talked a little bit uh, with Hassan Raheem last night on the Rotoviz report uh, about both Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, uh, just a quick summary of some of the notes that I had that line up largely with what you said. Uh, Joe Mixon, just go onto the site anywhere, really, and look at some of the stats that Mixon has put up. I think it has been quietly a really, really fantastic season. And if you haven't been paying attention to Mixon, let's say he's not on any of your teams, you might not be aware just how stellar he has been um, and what the usage for him has been like. So check that out. The other note, my thought on where Ben Roethlisberger is as it relates to his receivers is honestly, we are at the point where it's hard to imagine that a change in quarterback makes these players outlook any worse or any different than it would be now, um, <laughs> which I think speaks to where yeah. he is, right? Like yeah. if you are somebody with Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, um, you know, the young tight end, really anybody on this team, I don't think that the change at quarterback really is going to shift how you're feeling about them at all. So that's kind of where I think Ben Roethlisberger is at this point. Let's head over, though, to Minnesota and San Francisco. Um, Dalvin Cook now looks like he's going to miss some significant time. Could be back if Minnesota makes a playoff run. Not exactly sure if we see him in the regular season. But the note here really just is that Alexander Madison now becomes one of the players that we see every season that gets to step up Mm. towards the end of the year, assert himself, and be one of these tremendous fantasy difference makers. That's what it looks like it's setting up. Two games this year for Madison where he started in each of those games. Uh, went for over 126 yards. His first start in week three, he had 26 attempts. 
Uh, his second start of the year, week five, had 25 rushing attempts in those games. He also combined for 15 targets. My note on Madison here, really, Curtis, is just simply that this just looks like wheels up. Pretty solid replacement for Dalvin. If you have him on your team, man, you got to be feeling pretty good about what he's going to give you down the stretch here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, no doubt. The the Vikings... Um, I think they would be a very difficult team to root for, uh, much like uh, Cleveland. Um, and so I feel for some of their fans, but I love the Vikings from a fantasy perspective because they really do funnel the high value touches um, to just basically three players in the offense. Um, you know, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and whoever is back there at running back. Um, the, you know, that's just been the way that that offense, is, ha, that offense has functioned um, under multiple offensive coordinators. Clearly, even though Zimmer is not an offensive mind, he has some level of influence on what happens in offense because we've just seen it happen for too long. Or maybe it's a Kirk Cousins preference thing um, to feel familiar with who's back there and not wanting to to sub out a back all the time. So, yes, um, that that is the thing, Dave. When we lose when we lose one running back, there there always seems to be another um, ready to step in um, and provide that uh, replacement production. Um, we don't typically, uh, prescribe a strategy of handcuffing here at Rotoviz. Uh, it does lower the overall ceiling of your teams, but in, uh, espe- you know, especially across like a, a best ball portfolio, but in roster management leagues, you know, where you're setting a lineup week to week to week, it's very possible that, you know, some of you out there listening had Madison backing up cook and, you know, kudos to you if you were able to, to sit on a player like that uh, on your bench um, being mostly unusable this point uh, to this point of the year. But yeah, he could definitely be a difference maker down the stretch. Um, going back over to the AFC, Dave, another backup running back, not even the backup, not even the third stringer, a, a player who is now poised to replace multiple free agent signings after the bell cow went down. Dontrell <laughs> Hilliard um, of the Tennessee Titans, 
um, with something of a, a breakout game, you know, 12 carries for 131 yards and a touchdown um, did, uh, did catch one ball and actually uh, returned a couple kicks as well. Uh, had his, had his hands on, you know, a, a lot of the plays that happened in the, in that horrible loss at the hands of uh, your Patriots, Dave, how, how much confidence do we have, in a player like Hilliard, you know, moving forward, the team has already moved on from Adrian Peterson. We know Henry won't be back. McNichol seems to be, you know, completely unreliable at this point. Um, I, I think you got to feel good about like RB2 production, at least. I mean, if he's on your team, I think he's probably a must start uh, next week. I know we're going to have that. Uh, we're going to have that decision to make on our uh, football guys team, Dave. We actually started Hilliard uh, right away. Uh, on that roster this week and, uh, you know, paid off dividends for us. Yeah. So like I said this to Hassan last night too, to kind of harken back to that conversation of when you're looking at Tennessee and the success that Derrick Henry had, yes, he is a player that is able to do things that other backs can't. And that elevates his success to a large extent. But I also think that this is an offense that is built pretty well to allow running backs to succeed that wants to do things at the running back position, let those players prosper. So in my perspective, yeah, he makes for a pretty solid starter as we're moving forward. I think that the volume will be there. There'll also be quality to that volume. Still can see Foreman getting mixed in here and there or another back, like you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we've seen this team produce now with players outside of Henry, I think if he's on your on your team, yeah, you're probably feeling pretty good about getting him locked into that roster. So, I, I should uh, just quickly I should quickly correct myself. Um, I, I believe the Titans do have a week thirteen bye. Um, so when I say is he an RB two, you know, moving forward uh, next week, um, I should clarify uh, that it would be in week fourteen versus um, Jacksonville. Yes, we, we do not recommend, uh, in general, playing players that are a buy in their lineup. <laughs> Maybe there's an yeah. edge case here or there where that might make uh, some sense. Uh, you know, if your team is so bad, you're expecting negative points from the players that would be starting. Uh, but let's... Uh, hey, like the Scott Fishbowl. Yes, yeah. Exa- yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Um, one note that I did have back in the um, NFC, but I think we're actually... I want to talk about him later in the week, just what Elijah Mitchell is doing for San Francisco and how he has emerged from one of those players that if you manage mm. to spend a huge amount of your fab budget on him, he's really paying dividends um, at this point in the year. But let's make our way to Dallas. We'll talk about them tonight a little bit. You mentioned Zeke already on the show. We're seeing something really interesting with he and Tony Pollard in that at this point in the year, mm-hmm. 18 more touches for Zeke coming within the 20 to the opposition's end zone. This has translated into a total disparity in different, like in their touchdown totals where you have Zeke at nine total touchdowns on the year. You have Pollard with just a single touchdown as rushers Pollard averaging 0.8 yards more per carry has put up 531 yards on hundred attempts to Zeke 720 on 160. So we see Pollard being more effective Zeke though getting substantially more 
opportunity. Then as receivers, you have Pollard at 29, uh, excuse me, 31 targets, Zeke at 46, Pollard averaging 8.8 yards per reception, Elliott at six. So fantasy managers did not get to see the shift that many had hoped for from Zeke to Pollard. And we're still seeing this unfortunate scenario where um, those touches that really matter and that turned into touchdowns are just all going to Zeke. Uh, so at this point in the year, it kind of feels like this breakout for Tony Pollard that everybody was hoping for is not going to happen unless Zeke is forced to miss time. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Um, it's still, it. yeah, I, th- I feel like with Tony Pollard's like the type of player where pretty much every take has been correct on him. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he, he, he's been good enough to make his fans um, and stands feel validated. Um, but, you know, Zeke has controlled, uh, he's controlled enough of the backfield that, you know, people who were arguing for Pollard, you know, maybe as an eighth round pick or something like that, uh, were, you know, that, that was probably also misguided too aggressive, you know, based off of what Zeke has, has gotten. So yeah, this is not an Alexander Madison situation for Pollard. Um, but I still do maintain that, you know, a zeke Dallas Cowboys backfield is one in which Tony Pollard is, you know, probably a top five fantasy running back in the NFL. So um, we will, we will wait and see. We'll wait and see what well, happens. We might get a sneak preview of that because it is being rumored that the Cowboys might rest Zeke in week 13. If that happens, it will give mm. us a nice little window into what could be and what could have been uh, so far. All right. What do we have to close things out in the AFC? Yeah, I want to go. There's a couple different directions. I think there's some undersung wide receiver performances um, where we need to make some maybe some big dynasty uh, rankings updates. We will have opportunities to get into that later in the week. Um, But a player I wanted to highlight, one that this podcast has been very high on, one that I personally have been very high on, um, who has really paid off um, this season. Now, this is pending Monday night football results. But Marquise Hollywood Brown, I mean, man, Dave. So he he's 11 amongst uh, wide receivers and in, in total targets. Um, he's in the top 15 in uh, target share. Uh, he's fifth in the NFL in air yards. Um, he, I mean, in in one of the most dynamic offenses, he's 15th in, in PPR overall at the, at the uh, position, uh, despite um, just playing 10 games uh, versus others having 12 posted. I mean, it's just really, really, uh, it's just really great. Um, and it's, it's a function of Lamar Jackson improving enough to support a second receiver. You know, that was the big issue last season. It's just c- kind of seemed like it was either a Mark Andrews game or a Hollywood Brown game. Well, now they both seem to have that game every week. And you're also getting Rashad Bateman peppered in there. Um, so it's, you know, the, the offense continues to take steps forward. And, uh, you know, this, this also, despite Lamar Jackson still being, you know, completely dangerous as, as a rusher. So it's the next evolution. Um, I'm really happy to see a player like Marquise Brown succeed in the NFL. You know, when we start talking about, you know, uh, I guess historical hit rates, um, historical comps, et cetera, you know, as, as I start to think mentally in the shift towards the, the 2022 Rotoviz. Dynasty Command Center Rookie Draft Guide, 
you know, a player like Marquise Hollywood Brown succeeding at his diminutive size, um, at his uh, minuscule BMI. Um, it, it signals a change that the right type of player in the right scheme can still succeed and that not all NFL history is relevant um, in player, you know, co- cohort, um, I guess, sorting or, or research at this point. So, um, I, yeah, I'm just I'm happy to see it uh, for, for multiple different reasons. Um, you know, one, it's 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 validation on a on a player take, which you always like to see. We get so much wrong uh, in, in us in a game where it's so easy to be wrong. Um, so when you are right, you like to you know, you like to celebrate it. But at the same time. Um, it's exciting for what it means for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson's future um, as a legitimate NFL quarterback. And then also for a rookie scouting moving forward, Dave. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to touch upon as well. When I heard you start talking about Hollywood, uh, it's really the idea that, yeah, historically we have not seen many guys of that stature succeeding. So for a long time, it was easy to write these guys off just because you say, you know, we do not see many of them in the NFL. We now have another player that we can point to and uh, Devonta Smith this year, right? So we're starting to see a situation where you can have these smaller players when you have a team that recognizes what they can do with them and they actually get an opportunity. They're making the most of it. Uh, and, 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 you know, that, probably largely relates to, like you said, teams recognizing that in today's NFL, there's different ways to use these players. So it's really exciting moving forward. I do think that that's going to help us and probably most people in the industry shift the way that they think about some of these players and probably being able to do a better job with some of these young, exciting guys as they enter in the NFL. So we'll start talking, you know, before we know it about the incoming class of uh, players that we're going to have. So it's going to be really yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is, man. Um, and if all, you know, what's going to be really great is, is, uh, you know, Hollywood's probably going to finish this season as a wide receiver one in fantasy points per game. Um, and so it's just going to change. It's going to change so many things like where Deshaun Jackson used to be the only answer to the trivia questions. Um, it's going to, it's going to be great. And every example of a player hitting, um, with those different, um, you know, physical measurements. I love that you brought up Devonte Smith um, there as well, looking like uh, he may have a chance to uh, to help that uh, that historical hit rate improve further as well. Uh, probably not until next year, um, but yeah, yeah, great, great points all around. I, I'm really excited um, as this season kind of careens toward the playoff picture, Dave, for us to continue highlighting um, some of these, these players who can help bring the titles home. Um, and if you're out of it in your redraft league, um, we'll still be talking about players that make a lot of sense to pursue from a dynasty perspective, or, you know, maybe your trade windows closed in dynasty and you're just kind of getting the itch for that next startup um, after the first of the year or 2022 best ball, all of that stuff starts to become fair game. Um, this is a really interesting, like 90 day period of the fantasy calendar where, uh, there's just going to be so much to talk about, uh, regardless of your, your interest, uh, in, in our great game. So, uh, should be another fun week here at Rotoviz, Dave. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz fantasy football show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.